please don't wait till it's too late. Call McIntyre Elder Law. Hello, it's Lawyer Greg, the Elder Law Guy, Greg McIntyre, talking about my book, Saving the Farm, a, a practical guide to the legal maids of aging in America. And this is our chapter series. Our chapter series discusses a chapter out of the book. That's right. So what chapter are we on today, Hayden? We're going to do chapter two, Foundations of Elder Law Planning. Chapter two. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I wanted to go to chapter two, Foundations of Elder Law Planning, I would go to the expanded table of contents, which let me drill down to a chapter or a subsection of the chapter. For instance, if I wanted to look at, you know, exactly what uh, an executor was, I could go to that part. Or if wills were necessary, I could go to that part of chapter two. Or to talk about general durable or healthcare powers of attorney, I could go to that part, mm -hmm. right? So I'm going to go to chapter two here. There are a lot of things in here I don't think people would expect to right? find, too. You think so? In <laughs> chapter two? Well, you even had an interview with uh, a funeral home director and talk about the pre-need funeral planning. And I'm kind of going from the back to the top because I started at the bottom of the page. Um, and yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, at the end. And so, there are many interviews in the book um, that uh, you've had with various people. I do one, have one a number of interviews in the totally book that are, that are experts in their area talking about different mm -hmm. things that have to do with uh, aging in America and, and uh, things that families need to know and families of seniors need to know, mm -hmm. right? So, thank you. You're right. You have lots of interviews. You ready? Yeah. All right. Do you want to take the lead on this one? Chapter I 2. I want to take the lead. Foundations <laughs> of Elder Law Planning. Yes. If the anecdote about my grandfather teaches you anything, it's that planning is crucial. The steps you take right now to ensure that you and your family hold on to the hard-earned money and assets will only benefit you and your loved ones in the future. I therefore dedicate this chapter to methods of planning and preparation. This includes the documents and people vital in your quest to save the farm and all your legacies that come with it. These components include what I consider the foundations or pillars of elder law planning. The first pillar is the general durable power of attorney, one of the most important documents you can ever have. And the second pillar is the health care power of attorney. And wills, such as a living will, is the third part, is, is the third pillar. The will that it, isn't a will. And act, Yeah, it's not. It's a declaration for desire for a natural death. Really, the, the fourth pillar would be a will. Okay? So we'll start with a general durable power of attorney. All right? A general durable power of attorney. Let's break that down. It's general in that it allows you to take care of any general business, financial, business-wise, or legal matters, or applications for Medicaid, for long-term care planning, for governmental benefits, right? That's right. You know, for there's things that might need to be done with planning, like deed protection, or, or you know, recharacterizing some assets that might need to be done for Medicaid planning, or might need to be done for veterans' aid detention, and attendance, veterans aid and attendance, I need some attention. <laughs> veterans aid and attendance, pension benefits, those, uh, you know, the power of attorney would be 
important in recharacterizing assets there, both financial assets, stocks, bonds, securities, IRAs, 401ks, uh, bank accounts, or deed planning. Explain why, what recharacterization is and why it's needed. Also, oh, I'll just say this, okay, that, you know, if my wife wanted to change the cell phone bill, she would have to have access to that account. Yes. And because I set it up, Verizon won't talk to her. Mm -hmm. So imagine trying to recharacterize or, or reposition a 401k or retitle a property to put a ladybird deed protection on it for you and your husband. That would be recharacterizing the asset to still keep you in control of the asset and for that money to be there, that property to be there for that senior, even the one who needs care. By veterans benefit we activate or by Medicaid benefit that pays for long-term care. But it also protects that asset under the rules right. of Medicaid or under VA. Well, That's what we do. And without the power of attorney, you're dead in the water. You're stuck. You can't do anything to protect those assets. Mm -hmm. we, so we, it's we, one of the most important things you could ever have is the general durable power of attorney. Mm -hmm. It is. We had a case that was... Uh, that well, we can't talk about our cases. I'm not talking about a person. Yeah. I'm talking about a situation. Oh. No, no I, I would never. Yeah. Um, in which there so, was no general durable power of attorney. Right. The uh, wife was incapable of right. uh, making her own decisions. Sure. And there was something that needed to be done that everyone knew was right for her. Sure. Right for her husband, right for her family, and nothing could be done. We have had situations, that's true, that's true. We have had situations, to good point, heartbreaking. that are heartbreaking, yes. right? And I have literally sat there and cried. That bring tears to your mm -hmm. eyes. And, it was, and a general durable power of attorney is... That is, I guess, the most Sorry, important Sorry, I was just making situation. sure we weren't going to talk about the case. Oh, I, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm no. a good person to remind <laughs> All right. uh, about anything. Okay. Um, but that is like the end of the game. Right. In between, you have a lot of decisions that have to be made before someone gets to the point of, of passing. Sure. And uh, when they can't do it themselves, and you'll talk a little bit about the durability clause, I'm sure. Um, but this is something that I think certainly is a huge part of elder law, but I also think it carries over into it. Can, is there such a thing as semi-elder law where you've got couples with children who need to have these things set up? You know, having the, that's a good point. Even young couples mm -hmm. need their foundational documents in place. And we do a lot. It's couples. so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of times, yeah, I'll plan for parents and, and then the children will hire me also to, to do that planning. And families with special needs children is really oh special needs extremely yeah extremely important yeah yeah but that's getting into trust and that type mm -hmm. of planning right yeah. it is important and, and you'll be talking more about more complicated things as we go on sure. and things like the ladybird deed you know that's not in this chapter and you'll no. touch on it in a future different chapter yeah so healthcare but, power of attorney so just kind of hang with us we'll get there yeah so healthcare power of attorney um, is what I say is the next foundational pillar of elder law. And a healthcare power of attorney is where you pick... Oh, let me touch on something, too, with general durable. I'll go back to general durable really quickly. Right. I get this question a lot, too. Now, who do I appoint as my attorney in fact? The attorney in fact... My son's not an attorney. True, now there's your husband, right, or your wife. 
but maybe, but maybe not. But the, the person, the agent you appoint is called the attorney in fact. The document is simply the power of attorney. The, it's very commonly yeah. referred to as, as being under the, the power, the power of, attorney of attorney. That's for, incorrect. That's right. wrong. You're the attorney in fact yeah. for the other person. Right? As granted to you in the general durable power of attorney or the power of attorney. And, you know, well, I don't, you know, want her. So you're saying my daughter could go spend all the money in my account or sell my house, right? I get that question sometimes. And, and I, I say, well, we could draft it so that your daughter can't be the attorney, in fact, the agent, unless you are incompetent or incapacitated. That's called a springing power of attorney. It only springs into being or into life if you are incapacitated or incompetent, and that's verified by one doctor, or you could put two doctors. I don't like that. Why, why would I might not like that? What do you think I might not like that? Well, I mean, everyone has various levels of trust in their family members, for one thing. And it might just as easily be a friend in some cases who handles things for you. But why might I not like a springing power of attorney? Why would you not like it? Mm -hmm. Well, you want it to be effective in all cases. No, no. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Okay? I would not like a... I say, would I ever advocate appointing someone as your attorney in fact, your agent to handle your financial benefits? Would I ever advocate for that if you didn't trust the person you're appointing? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. If you don't trust that person now, then what's going to happen if you become incapacitated or incompetent and now they're the attorney in fact? Now they're the agent. Are you just going to wait? The key to the kingdom you're just going to wait until you're incompetent and incapacitated for them to run off with your money. Don't appoint that person. Is my point. Mm -hmm. If you don't trust them, you don't trust them. Yeah. So don't appoint them. Right. That's, That's right. why I don't like those documents. I draft them, but I, I only after that lecture. Right. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to draft a problem for somebody. And if somebody might run off with your money and you don't trust them, then don't appoint them. Ever. Not now or in the future. Right? And if you do trust them, then there's not going to be a problem with a regular general durable power of attorney that we recorded through registered deeds that allows for someone you love and trust to care for you when you really need it. Right? That's right. And the same person that you trust on this document may not be the same person that you put as your attorney in fact on your health care power of attorney. But it could be, and yeah, it usually is. Yeah. But you could put somebody different. Yeah. So your health care power of attorney is an agent, your, is your health care agent, or your attorney, in fact, to handle health care issues, okay? So the health care issues are, are, I mean, that's a, you know, it's a huge deal. If I'm incapacitated, incompetent, in, in a coma, if I have an emergency and I'm just not conscious, I'm in shock in the emergency room, who's going to make my decisions? Yeah, you better make sure. Who's going to make my long-term care decisions? Sometimes you see the sister in Sacramento or the brother in Boise that fly in that haven't seen mom or dad for 20 years, but all of a sudden have a totally different plan of care when they come into town because it's a tragic health care situation. Then, what, then the brothers and sisters that have been here, the sons and daughters that have been here, caring for mom or dad for the last 10 years, you know? And that makes things really hard. Who is the health care provider? The hospital, the, the home. Who are they supposed to listen to? You've had 
people here already getting into their appointment knows who the doctors are. Knowing what mom and dad's wishes were. That's were. exactly. You've probably heard them talk about it. Then you got Mr. Guilty that comes in. Yes. Mom can't die because I have not been able to see her and talk to her. And or whatever. I mean, yeah. there's just all kind of nightmare situations where things happen like that and the wrong decisions are made or no decisions made because somebody hasn't appointed, taken time to appoint a health care attorney, in fact, draft a health care private attorney document. Mm -hmm. Vacationing in health care directives, that's a section in here. That's important to think about what you're going to do when you go on vacation. How are you going to handle it? Uh, and if you get into a healthcare situation, who's going to make your healthcare decisions? That's right. So have it with you. We have a healthcare, uh, well, we have something called EDOCS Access that allows a senior and their families to have set up their own password. It's a bank level, uh, secure, uh, encrypted system that allows you to have access to your documents on your mobile, mobile phone. Uh, your smartphone, your, your laptop, your iPad, your desktop computer, anywhere you are, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even without the original. It makes it easy to send it around to a hospital, mm -hmm. pull it up at a hospital, it whatever will. you need. Right, and the uh, recording stamp will be there. Oh, sure. We, we put the recorded version there, mm -hmm. okay? And by the way, but no, not on a, a health care power attorney because no. you, don't, you don't record a health care power attorney, okay? Um, it's not a requirement. It's I guess you could, but it's not a requirement. It, on the general durable power On things that need to be recorded. recorded. Yeah. Well, well, it doesn't have to be. No. But, but yeah, it doesn't have to be recorded. In certain cases? Nope. Uh, to survive incapacity inc or incompetence. Durability. So the durability clause is within the general durable power attorney. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's the durability part. That's right. It allows for to survive incompetence. But, but it has to be recorded according to the statute. Section 32A of North Carolina General Statutes, um, if someone becomes incompetent or incapacitated, it needs to be recorded. There's no requirement that it's recorded ahead of time. It can be recorded afterwards. It's my advice to go ahead and record it in the, when you draft it, because or after signing it, because when there's a tragic healthcare situation, you're not going to want to run around and worry about if something's going to be record has been recorded or not. You just want it to work, is my thought, or my thoughts. We just want it to work when it needs to work. That's the reason. But it doesn't have to be recorded yeah, before you at all. So, so uh, but, but I advise my clients that way. Okay? There you go. Do it while you can when it's easy and done and out of the way. Well, it's just easy, you know, coming out of the signing to get that mm -hmm. done. You know? So, living wills. And you said that earlier. Is it a living will? Does it have anything to do with living or being mm -hmm. a will? No. No. No, it doesn't. What is it? It is a document in which you declare how you want to, whether or not you want to be kept alive when you are unable to make the decision yourself. Sure, sure. And, and speak your mind. It's, it's really, it's a declaration for a desire for a natural death, right? So, and... I, I'm not a fan of form documents. I don't like form documents. Anybody can pencil in anything for you. Um, I don't like that. I, do you want to draft? Do you want the most important document, whether you live or die in a tragic healthcare situation, to be a fill in the blank document? No. No, that's just, I mean, 
That's a no-brainer. Do you think that's a good idea? Oh, no. That's an absolutely horrible idea, okay? However, we do that at hospitals and everywhere all the time. I mean, that's not smart to have a fill-in-the-blank document. Do you say we do it? Or a general public? We as a people, okay. as a general population mm-hmm. and hospitals. Well, they, they offer that. it to you. They do. Places. And it's a fill-in-the-blank document that anybody could change, okay? And those aren't just necessarily confined to those specific trips to the hospital. They can be used in the future, too, you know? And they're legal in North Carolina. Um, I don't like that. That's why ours aren't fill-in-the-blank documents. And they're written and signed and witnessed by two people in, in a note, right? Right. And, and also, the health care power of attorney has a clause that states... Look, there is a living will in place that was drafted along with this. However, the healthcare agent can trump the living will. So it's not a cold robotic document that says, pull the plug. If I'm terminal incurable brain death has occurred and I'm, you know, and I'm being maintained by artificial machinery. It's not that cold robotic document. There's a human element to it. The healthcare agent, the son, daughter, husband, wife, could come in, whoever you appoint, and say, Look, um, I see something in mom that you don't, Doc. That was a personal situation. I We're going to wait a few days. When my father was in the hospital, they did not see him before he got there, mm-hmm. nor would they see him after he left. He is a fully functioning man. He does his online banking. He handles all of his business affairs. He actually, I took him yesterday shopping. He goes to Lowe's, buys the parts. When he goes into the hospital, he has his own little unique kind of dementia. He goes into a stage where he is in, incapable of communicating. Right. And they all, the palliative care nurses come in and everybody thinks, well, pull the plug. But I know when we go in there in a matter of five days, he's going to be released to rehab. And then he's going to get better and then we're going to go shopping mm-hmm. or do business. So, you know, I want that. For my father. I want to know that's in place for my father, that I can override what that may have said. And he does too. Right. And, you know, if you have a form healthcare power of attorney and form living will, are they written that way where they work together? Right. No. No, they're not. They're just individual documents, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think those things are extremely important, especially in healthcare decisions and life and death situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes we rely on form documents. And we should not, especially for the most important things. And sometimes that same depression era savings mentality that may have got you some money by saving is going to hurt you because you don't want to go out and spend a dime on legal needs, mm-hmm. right? When you should invest in the best. Well, there are times when bargains are bargains. There are times when bargains are not. When you get what you pay for, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I ordered something from my cat the other day. It was a terrible bargain. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that reminds oh, me. I'll oh, give you some examples. Okay. I love to get my wife a lot for Christmas, you know. I know. Who does Packages you know? come here. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So, so I ordered all this stuff off Amazon, but a lot of it was from straight from China. Mm-hmm. Nothing is China. Just like, I had, I had like the sizes that came in were oh, wrong and different. This big. Plus, plus they, plus they were. Uh, the materials. Like it got in this jacket. Right got this bargain yes. jacket. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And after she wore it one time, she made fun of it. Stephanie did. Well, and it had this this 
this uh, it had this uh, belt thing, but the belt was so long that it wrapped around like five times. Right? It didn't even go really. And it was so long it it to the dog. And so she laughed. She had a fun one, just a fun well, time trying to sing along. Well, right? and, and the return address, you, you know, is so somewhere in China. So then, like, there's these big buttons on it. Like, after a couple of times, they popped off. They popped off. You she know? wore it? Yeah. Yes, she wore it. Man. She loves you. Oh, I got her a bunch of dresses and different things. Yeah. Well, there's a is, whole bunch. This is what I was They come in these plastic bags, play. okay? Yes. Yeah. Oh. And yeah. there are various companies that I'm quite sure all come yeah. from the same place. Same wrapping. You know what I should have done? I should have gone down the road and bought some, or gone, you know, gone to a good store in Charlotte, bought some stuff, got some good quality stuff. I got what I paid for. Instead, my wife well, that's, that's had a good laugh. Cheap. Had a good laugh. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. I got her some good stuff for Christmas, heart. too, okay? But, oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sometimes you're, you're you get what you pay for. I am a good Santa. And then there's wills, okay, which I bag on wills a lot. Okay. I talk about wills are horrible places to pass property because that's where liens attach. Like if you're in Medi on Medicaid for long-term care for paying for assisted living or long nursing home care because you don't have long-term care insurance or enough assets to go to pay for that all that. And then Medicaid has to come in and pay. When the house passes through the will, it gets sold to pay for a Medicaid lien. And the family's like, oh, gosh, that's not fair. No, it is fair. It's legally. It's legally how it works. Fair. You just didn't know because you didn't ask, you know? Oh, and and yeah, everybody no. says, I've got a will, I'm fine, right? Well, that's what I thought. Yeah. And it, it, Before I came to work for you, mm -hmm. I thought I've got my will, I've got my living will, which was a durable, whatever. Um, I've got the health care power of attorney and my general durable power of attorney. Right. So I'm set. My kids are going to get the house. And they will if I still own it. But if I don't own it because it's been absorbed into the Medicaid system to pay for say, some of my uh, medical bills, if I have to go into some type of care situation, it, I don't own that house so anymore. I'm a big advocate of probate avoidance because of that. Mm -hmm. Setting things up but simply by deed planning or otherwise to pass outside of the will for that very reason. I talk about in here uh, short sections on distribution of property and assets, dependent children, the executor. I talk about the executor and refer to that executor of, as the captain of the ship or every captain. Every ship needs a captain. And how the executor, but the executor is still held and bound to the laws of the courts, the laws of North Carolina, and overseen everything the executor does, every transfer overseen by the court and the clerks. And it has to pass muster, that final accounting, for the clerks to cut it out. And the clerks are very strict, very good, especially here in Cleveland County, very good, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I talk about, I devote a, an entire page there to how to avoid liens on your estate, okay? How to avoid those. How to keep your estate private. Wills are public documents. Wills are probated in and public, publicized in court, I used to see more than you do now, people's estates posted in the paper. Like, uh, yeah, you'd right. see articles written about them and how much money somebody was worth and what's going through. That was news in the county. So if you want it private, you're going to have to look at deed planning. You know, it would be public, but it wouldn't pass through the will, so there's no really publicized part of it. Um, private, totally private, would be trust. Private trust or privatize their... They're administered generally by a trustee or an attorney 
assisting the trustee and administering the trust. And I, I have a section talking about um, are wills still necessary? The answer is yes. A will is an insurance policy. That's what I see a will as, and that's what I believe a will is. Now, when you say that, and that's insurance against something that you haven't made other plans for, or uh, maybe something without a, a, a fiduciary on it, or a a will is an insurance policy against mm -hmm. yes, something you know mm -hmm. that that is after acquired after you write the will, or maybe maybe you know. Um, you know, you haven't set up to pass outside of the estate. That's where it's an insurance policy, really. And that's why I call it that. It still, it still is effective and has worked for a long time to pick property up and get it to the people where you want it to go. Well, Only if liens attached to the estate can it force the sale of that property or spending of that cash or, you know, to pay that lien. Well, you provide, Private or, or governmental. Lien. You provide a document that you, um, with every will that you do, which allows people to write down their personal possessions, whether it's the grandfather clock we or do. the bracelet or the ring. It's called a memorandum, like a memorandum, and it directs mm -hmm. the executor within the will to follow that memorandum, okay? And to list, I've seen, I've had clients go through and put yard sale stickers on the back of paintings and things, right? Saying, this goes to Greg, this goes to Sue, right? To the grandchildren or something, right? right. The children. But that's the same thing. We just compile that in a document that's attached to the will. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so yes. So that's really nice for, for the little things and the specifics to, to a lot of people. Very and especially uh, so, older oh, generations. Oh, I think the legacy that we talk about is a lot of times the smaller stuff, mm -hmm. the class ring or the medal you received in World War II or Vietnam. Right. Those are. The, I mean, that's the the important thing. I mean, the house is great too. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a big deal. But think about the really sentimental stuff. It's the little things. It's the stuff. In my, and I have a specific place in the house where I have all my, my stuff from way back. Every once in a while, I find myself looking through it or stumble upon it. And you just have to pause. Some of it takes your breath away. Mm -hmm. And I remember that. Or a letter. Right. Maybe a letter from somebody way back in the day. It means, it means a lot. That's your legacy. Mm -hmm. Who, who's all the, the little things going to go? Yeah. My father made my mother a heart. It's beautiful. He made me a Celtic heart, which is one about this high. But yeah. another uh, Heart. And nobody could play it, but it was beautiful, and it was there in her living room. And I think that probably would be a point of contention if she hadn't already made arrangements. She didn't have it for the will because she right. Italy had never had that opportunity, mm -hmm. so we never got her one. Gotcha. And um, there was kind of a reason for that too. But anyway, there may be some contention over that. Right. One thing. Oh, it avoids contention too. I mean, you know, that's key with estate planning is that's what you want to do. Sometimes a little money in the mix is like blood in the water to sharks among family members. And they go at each other fighting over small things. And we don't want that to happen. We never want that to happen. We want great families to stay happy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's one thing that clear estate planning can do. The importance of pre-planning. Okay. We, we talk about that. That's why. That's a section, and we already hit on that. That's the important pre-planning. Planning to save things. It costs less to pre-plan. Yes. Right? To do your foundational work. And then, emerge, then in an emergency situation, right? When old, old, old man, 
You know, it's time now. We need to do this yesterday. Let's put off everything. Here we Let's go. Shut down the firm and devote everything just to us, right? Uh, we've been to nursing homes and hospitals. Sure. We've, we will have done both this week. So, yeah. So it's... it's and and in, the, in this section, we have... Yes, yes, we, we do that. But it, it's not as... It's easier if we just pre-plan. Well, it would have been easier for them, too, because they're forced, because of an emergency, to make on-the-spot decisions and not think things through and not mm -hmm. talk to the kids. Uh, yeah. Pre-need funeral plan. We talk about that. I mean, that's one way to avoid probate. To set aside money, even under the Medicaid rules for long-term care planning, you know, put ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand dollars in a pre-needs burial plan for someone. And we interviewed an expert who's longtime funeral home owner and director, Cecil Burton. And we have that interview right within the summary, right within the book, talking about exactly what pre-needs burial planning is and how to do it. Okay. So that concludes chapter two, right? I know, it took us longer than I expected. I, this is one of the smallest chapters in the book, but each document has so a personality. A if you understand there. what it does and why, um, you won't understand the need for it, I think. And, you know, next week, next Monday, we'll come to you with chapter three. What is long-term care? What is long-term care? So we'll talk about we use that term all the time, but do you really know what long-term care is? Do you really know the different types of long-term care? I don't know. I, I didn't until I came to work for you. But we'll talk about it, okay? It's just always the nursing home. True. The nursing home. I didn't realize how much progress has been made toward keeping people in homes. So there are lots Life of different centers. Mm -hmm. yeah. In home care. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lots of, lots of choices and sometimes so that's a great part to talk about how to pay for long-term care insurance those types of things right mm -hmm. so stay tuned next week at noon we'll talk about chapter three and if, if you want to get a copy of the book so you can follow along with us over this 10-week discussion discussion and of the 10 chapter book saving the farm hayden how will people do that how can people get a copy of the book on amazon at our office. Uh, you've got an audio version and an enhanced audio version. Now, where can we get those? So, on Amazon, you can buy the print book or you can buy the ebook Kindle or you can buy the enhanced ebook, which has videos of interviews with experts and me explaining different concepts. Mm -hmm. um, you can also get that on iTunes. Uh, we'll have the audio book. Audible, which is Amazon's audio wing, will have the audio book. Audiobook is uh, narrated by Curtis Rosser, which I like to say is a voice like butter. The voice like butter is, is very does a very good job. He voices so well. He does a very good job narrating. Okay, and he's a professional voiceover actor. I did not narrate that book. I have since narrated the book, but not that one. Then we can include chapter four with chapter three. It's the interview. Well, I think chapter four we're going to devote to a specific specific talk about Alzheimer's and dementia. We're going to go over that. Okay, mm -hmm. So that'll be two weeks from now. We'll be chapter yeah, four. That's, so, I, I read that twice last night. So you can that's also, well thank you, you can also contact um, our office mm -hmm. and Hayden or someone in the office will make sure 
that we mail you a copy of the book, or uh, you can come by and pick it up, okay? Um, and we have the print books in our office, or you can order those on Amazon.com. Mm -hmm. um, or go to our website, ncelderlaw.com slash savingthefarm, and that takes you right to the landing page for the book. You can order it right there. It also, for the audiobook, it has some forms in the book that are PDFs that you can download right there. Okay? So, stay so, tuned next week. Yes, ma'am? telephone number? Oh, sure. 704-259-7040. And if you want to talk further about something like this, or you would like to um, talk with Greg, just give us a call. We'll set that up. Absolutely. And have a great day. Thank you. We put off planning till things get slow Tomorrow's never promised today Don't get too busy and let it all slip away Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law Foundational planning or more complex We can help when you're perplexed If a loved one needs long-term care We can help avoid some of the scare Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder Law State planning benefits and even probate we take the planning piece off your plate If you or your spouse were in the military We can help with benefits for your family Please don't wait till it's too late Call McIntyre Elder